You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I'm in addiction recovery, and I'm excited for another episode of FSTR. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Yesterday, we talked about thoughts and feelings and emotions, and we painted this entire forest metaphor, which you know I realize now, having listened back at it, eh, it went off the rails pretty quick, but I still enjoyed the episode. I still enjoyed the episode. I will stick with the cheerleading, pumping you up aspect of it. I hope that landed. I hope that hit home. I hope that it fired you up. I hope that you realize that within yourself, you can have faith in you. You can have hope in you. You can you can move forward for, toward these desires that you want in your life, that the only thing holding you back is yourself. And so what we're going to do today, and this might be a shorter episode than uh, even 17 minutes, is that within neuro-linguistic programming, which I talk about a lot, and if you want to Google it, don't type in NLP because it also stands for natural language processing, which is what they use to create artificial intelligence software that allows us to communicate with it so that it talks back to us like it's a human. So if you're going to go on the Googles and start searching for things, then you need to make sure that you search... um, neuro-linguistic programming, because if you type in NLP, it will pull up all this stuff on uh, natural language processing. So within neuro-linguistic programming, there are uh, things that we teach called modalities and submodalities. Now, modalities are your five senses, touch, taste, sight, sound, smell. There's also internal self-talk and some other ones, but let's just stick with touch, taste, sight, sound, smell. It's your five senses. These are the modes, the modalities for which you experience the world. Now, of touch, taste, sight, sound, smell, there are the sub-modalities of these. So let's do the visual, right? There, that's the touch, taste, sight, sound, smell. That's the sign. That's the visual. Are we following here? Great. Let's continue moving forward. So of the sub-modalities of visual, you have the aspects of the things that you see. Is something that you're looking at black and white? Are the colors bright or are they dim? Is the picture extremely vivid or is it darker? Is it blurry or is it focused? Is the picture moving or is it still? Is it far or is it away? Is it in a frame or is it panoramic? Now, if you're confused by what the fuck I'm talking about, I want you to do this. If you are in a safe space where you could close your eyes, then by all means, you can do so in a moment whenever I instigate that from you. Um, If you are driving your car or you're running or something like that, then by all means, please keep your eyes open. But either way, this is going to work. I want you to picture your favorite ice cream. And if you're against ice cream for whatever reason, then what's your favorite animal? Picture your favorite animal. We've all got a favorite animal. What's your favorite animal? For me, I'm picturing a bear. And it's a very distinct bear. And this bear is in color. And the colors around this bear are very vibrant and bright. And it's in a frame. And it's pretty near. I'd say that this picture is probably like if I was holding it out, it'd be about arm's length. Um, the picture's still. It's just, it's just a still picture of a, of a bear. It's 
in this frame, and it's and if I was going to think about the location, it's probably and picture a tic tac toe board. It's probably um, off center. So if you're looking at a you know hashtag or a tic tac toe, it'd be in box six. When you picture things in your head, you create all these submodalities for it. So if I said your favorite animal and yours was a golden retriever dog that you had when you were a kid, again, this is mine. I had a golden retriever named Maze. He's in the bottom right-hand corner. It's in Kohler. It's a GIF. He's sitting there with a big smile wagging his tail, a big old smile wagging his tail. It's very sharp. It's panoramic. It takes up my entire view. And so when we have these mental pictures, there's these submodalities. It's the way we're seeing the picture. And I'll put this into, I'll put this little checklist, I'll put this into the show notes so that if you want to go back and, and understand the submodalities of visual, that they're there for you. When we hear things, that we it, there's also submodalities for hearing things. You know, where is it located? Is it behind us and to our right? Is it right above us? Um, when we think about voices, you know, is it soft? Is it shrill? Is it marbly? What's the tone? Is it loving or is it angry? Is it fast or is it slow when we think about somebody speaking to us? Why that's important is that the negative voices in our head that talk shit to us generally aren't going to be ours. And even if we think that they're ours, they're not ours. They were implanted into us at some point in our lives. We started repeating that nonsense to ourselves so many times that eventually we actually think it's our voice, but it's not. Michael Singer talks about this in The Untethered Soul. I've referenced that book, I'd say, about 50 times. So you should recognize that book by now if you're caught up to date and you've listened to all 240-some episodes. It's the way. Also, there are submodalities to the thing, way things feel. It could be sticky. It could be smooth. It could be tight. It could be loose. It could be pulsating. It could be sitting still. When we think about anxiety in our stomach, this is generally where understanding the submodalities of how anxiety feels in your body is super helpful. Sometimes people, it's like, wow, I've got this, this sharp, pulsating, you know, just tightness in my belly. I'm like, all right, very strong kinesthetic, which is just another word for feel or touch. Um, submodalities happening. In order to help somebody release that anxiety, I might help them visualize loosening up that tightness, slowing down the pulsating so that it's now just a, a lot slower, if at all. I might move it from the belly and start moving it up the sternum over to the heart where excitement's felt. We can begin to shift the submodalities of the way we experience the world through our five senses, touch, taste, size, touch, taste, sight, sound, smell. In the NLP world, we call it VACOG, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, gustatory. But I'm not trying to throw a bunch of fucking new words at you if you've never heard those before. And if you have, congratulations. It's called VACOG. And so that's our five our five sentences, our five senses. And each one of them has its own submodalities. So here's what I'm going to go through today. Now that I've gone through all that, uh, you could go back and you could re-listen to that again. Again, I'll put the su- I'll put some of the uh, submodalities into the show notes. And what I want to do is help you utilize um, how thoughts and feelings. You could start to uh, utilize these submodalities to mute them a little bit more to to sort of 
push them away. Um, I don't like muting or pushing away, but the idea is that we can work through them. So if I've got a picture of me failing um, on stage at my next speech and it's bringing me a lot of negative thoughts and feelings, um, I could picture myself on the stage. And if I want to feel better about it, then if I'm picturing myself failing, then it might be very dark. Um, it might be me standing there with my you know, slumped shoulders and my head down. So in this picture, I would lift my head up. I would roll my shoulders back. I would brighten up the colors. I'd sharpen up the picture. I'd make you know, it uh, you know, take up my entire panoramic visual if it was in a frame. Or vice versa, if it was in a frame, I might deframe it and make it take up my entire peripheral vision. So when you have a negative thought or a feeling, I want you to be to check inside your mind and what is it that you're picturing? What is it that you're picturing in the moment? Are the colors dark? Or is it dim? Is it black and white? Is it a small picture? Is it a big picture? And then shift it, start shifting things around about this picture. If it's a picture of you having a hard conversation with a loved one and you're in this picture in your mind, you're off to the right and maybe you're sitting down with them on a couch, maybe push that picture over to the left and up and then have you both standing up at the cabinet. If the colors are already bright, then maybe dim them up a little bit. If the, if the picture is a little bit blurry, focus it up. Is it in a frame? If so, take it out of a frame. Is it taking up your entire visual scope all the way to your peripherals? Then put it in a frame and start maneuvering that picture around in that little tic-tac-toe board until you start to feel a little bit more calm about it. Is it a still picture? Make Turn it into a GIF, also pronounced GIF, but definitely supposed to be pronounced GIF. Maybe make it a three-second loop video. Is it already a three-second loop video? Maybe make it seven seconds. Or perhaps make it a still picture. Is the picture really far away, like off in the distance? Bring it closer. Is it really close? Push it further away. Generally, when somebody's having a bad thought or feeling and they've got a picture in their mind, it'll be somewhere around the center to the right It'll be very big. There'll be variations of whether the colors are sharp, vivid, slightly darker. When I teach this to my clients, I can look, once I talk with them, I can find out what their drivers are. Do bad pictures look really bright? Do good pictures look really dim? We can just begin to start to shift those things and we can make the bad pictures more dim and we can make the good pictures more bright. Because generally the brain is going to want to experience the good things with vivid colors, super sharp, super focused, somewhere in the middle or off to the left. The more you can understand how the pictures in your mind are affecting the way that you're thinking and feeling about things, the more you can change them. I teach an entire class on this. In fact, I, I turned it into like a little four-hour class. And if it's something that enough of you are interested in, I could certainly bring that about for the new year. It's, you know, it's all about teaching you how to change the pictures in your mind. 
if there's a sound associated with it, is the voice mean? You are such a loser. Stop being such a loser. Then make it a little bit more high pitched. Hey, you're such a loser. Why are you such a loser, Jesse? You should try harder, you fucking bum. Right? <laughs> make it. So- <laughs> my my stepdad is six six. He's two hundred and fifty pounds. He was a he was a very strong, burly man, and he had a very deep voice. And he I mean, he was raised by an emotionally unintelligent father who beat him severely, so much to the point that his brother ran away from home at like sixteen. Like the man went through some shit, you know, Vietnam and bombs blowing up and everything around him. So the man had been through some stuff. So he was as loving and kind and gentle with his son as you would expect a man who you know was beaten severely as a child and then went off to war and had to kill people. So. <laughs> I give this guy a lot of empathy. I give him a lot of room for, you know, going through the learning process of being a parent at the same time I was going through the learning process of being a child. But I say all this because a lot of the times, inadvertently, he would he'd come down on me. Even good grades, I didn't necessarily get the love and the attention I desired. All I ever wanted was this man to love me and want to spend time with me. And I didn't get those things as much as I would have preferred. So much so, I think I've told you the stories about how I used to spend Saturday afternoons out in the backyard throwing a football to myself. Yes, I would throw it up really high. I'd run underneath it. I would act like I was Jim McMahon throwing the ball to Walter Payton. I was dodging all the other make-believe people and then spiking the ball in a yard all on my own. That (laughs) it's a very vivid memory, but I used to be sad about that memory. And now I see it upon it as a child with resiliency who refused to let the fact that he was alone and didn't have many friends because we moved around a lot to not allow him to still go outside and have fun with the football after the football game was done. I still refused. I wanted to go out. I wanted to throw the football. And if dad didn't want to go do it with me and there was no friends around to do it with me, by God, I was going to do it on my own. And I've changed that picture. What used to seem dark, like it was on a cloudy day where I was real far away. I moved that picture up. I brightened up the colors. It was still a nice, beautiful fall day in Indiana, but now it was like 65 degrees with a gorgeous sun instead of 42 degrees and a little bit of rainy mist. I made it brighter. I can literally watch myself right now. I'm in my office. I'm literally mimicking it. I would fake the hike and I'd run around. I'm running to the left and then I'd run to the right and right. And then I'd throw the ball. And you have to throw the, if you're going to throw a football to yourself, you got to throw it up really high in the air so that you have time to run underneath it. You can't just throw it like you would throw it to another person because I can't run that fast. <laughs> I don't know many people who could literally throw a football forward, you know, at the angle you normally would throw it to another person and still run and catch it. So you got to throw it up really high and I run underneath it. And I'm doing this in the office right now. And I'm like, yeah, and I catch it and I'm dodging. Oh, cut right. Oh, cut left. Spike ball. Like I can picture myself as little nine-year-old Jesse wearing his little Chicago Bears jacket, doing that in my head. And it brings me joy, but it used to bring me tears. Because now the colors are brighter. I've moved it up closer. I'm picturing it first person. Okay, I'll get you out of here on this. One of the more interesting things that human beings will do when they have good thoughts and good memories is that we will experience them in third person, meaning it's like we're a fly on the wall. We're like a security camera. We're ex- we experience our good memories as we watch ourselves in the good memory. 
whereas we experience our bad memories, the one that brought us the most pain, the most heartache. And this is general. This is a generalization. This isn't an absolute. You're going to have your own ways of experiencing good and bad things in your head. But generally, we will third person the, the good things and we will first person the bad things. When we had our heart broken, when somebody decided not be our friend, uh, when we had, you know, uh, somebody important to us uh, tell us that they've been lying to us all along, when we get fired from a job or anything bad happens. Um, even now, I can picture myself finding out about my mom dying. And I was in the office at Bonefish Grill in Gainesville, Florida, doing the paperwork for the night. And I just remember like dropping the phone. Um, it was this little flip phone, Motorola flip phone, and then picking it up. And my cousin being like, Jesse, are you there? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. She's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I know, I know. I was like, uh, I'll call you tomorrow. We'll figure out the arrangements. And I just remember closing up that phone and trying to go back to work and tears, uncontrollable, uncontrollable tears. And I picture that through first person. And if I want to relinquish some of the pain from that memory, I can see myself in the office taking that phone call. I can follow myself out of that office over to the manager um, and saying, yeah, I'm got to go home now. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I can just watch myself cry in front of him and him just like, yeah, my mother just died. And just, he's like, okay, go home. And I just turn around and I just walked out of the job and didn't even clock out or anything. I just, I can picture that. I can picture it like it was yesterday, but I used to picture that in first person a lot. And now I can watch myself maneuvering through that. So when you have a really powerfully strong thought or feeling that's undesirable, step out of it. Don't experience it through your first person. Experience it through the third person. Experience it as just somebody watching somebody else go through something. And when there's a good memory, when you got your first bike at five years old, or somebody first told you that they loved you, or you just got a promotion or a raise, and you want to go back to that sense of accomplishment and confidence and high self-esteem, make sure you're experiencing it through the first person point of view, because it matters. It will change it. And then make the picture brighter. Make the picture vibrate. Attach happy music to it. This is the power of your submodalities. You can shift and change things inside your head, and that will actually change your physiological response and your emotional state to these memories. And if you're just making up shit about the future anyways, you might as well figure out what makes you happy about these things and then make them happy pictures. Instead of feeling the doom of being caught and fired from your job or something, you could instead feel the exhilaration of being commended for your hard work. Picture yourself succeeding. The best athletes in the world have been visualizing success and using it as a motivator for what they would actually do when they were in the moment and they needed to perform at their highest. Why would we not, as just everyday normal people, also follow that same kind of format, that same kind of mentality? Picture yourself succeeding. Brighten up the pictures. See it through your first-person perspective. Put it in the center. Make it really big. Make it visceral. Turn it into your reality. Thoughts and feelings, they're in your head. They're not real until you do something with yourself externally to create them as a reality. 
We have tens of thousands of thoughts a day that could be ideas for things that we want to do. But the only ones that actually become real, that go from the abstract to the tangible, are the ones that we pull out of our head, we put down on paper, and we take action towards. So write down the thoughts and the feelings that are hurting you, that are undesirable. Picture them in your head and begin to shift them around, changing the colors, changing the focus, changing the where it's located in the tic-tac-toe board, how near or far is it, is it moving or is it still. Change these things and just slowly maneuver through the changes and notice how your body begins to shift. Notice how your body begins to feel and experience these things differently. And when you find an area where you've moved that picture, where it starts to calm you down and feel better, perhaps even bringing you some kind of joy, teaching you the lesson that was there all along, write that down. Where was that picture? Where did you move those things? The checklist is in the show notes. You can do this on your own, but if you really want to find the harnessing power of how to utilize this in your life, then you should go to jessemogul.com slash ask me, fill out one of those questionnaires about NLP. And I'll be more than happy if I get enough of y'all to reach out to me who said that you'd like to know how to be able to do this. Because I'm telling you, it works. I put people through this regularly. And the more you do it, the more powerful it becomes. Just like anything in life. It's the doing, not the thinking, where you really see actionable change. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. Hit me up, jessemogul.com slash ask me. Go to the NLP button, click on the form, answer it up. I'll reach out to you. Bye-bye.